Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This week, I'm joined by Matthew Robinson, who is the founder and director of Media Gratier, which is an independent nonprofit multimedia ministry based out of New Albany, Mississippi. Matt and the team at Media Gratier produce film, print, other media like uh, Logic on Fire, The Life and Legacy of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Behold Your God video series, and their most recent work, Puritan, All of Life to the Glory of God. Matt is also co-host of the Behold Your God podcast. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Reagan. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. For our listeners' sake, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe give a brief testimony. How, how did the Lord save you? How did you get into what you're doing? Well, that's not a brief story, but I can try to do that in, as quickly as I can. I was, uh, I'm 43 years old, was raised here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and as a young guy, I was uh, part of a conservative Presbyterian church, PCA church, where my dad served as an elder. And um, so I received all the benefits of that uh, catechism and, and taught good theology. I tell people that I was a Calvinist for 30 years before I was a Christian. So if you can kind of let that sink in and, you know, see what that means for you. <laughs> um, you know, so I understood how it worked before I was gripped by the reality of the thing. Um, I was also had a foot in a, an independent, fundamental, King James only uh, Christian school where I went from basically birth to the sixth grade, where I learned that Jesus doesn't like your hair to touch your ears, and he certainly doesn't like rock and roll music. And um, so had a little bit of both um, worlds, both ends of the theological spectrum in, in terms of my early uh, childhood. And so uh, around 12 or 13, uh, just kind of rejected all of it and went as, as far into the world as a 12 or 13 year old can go, uh, in the late eighties as a, as a punk rocker and skateboarder, um, still, you know, landlocked in rural Mississippi and, and having to pull all of those influences through, you know, the skate magazines and, and skate shops and, and records and that kind of thing. And so if you fast forward through a whole lot of not very interesting life in the world, um, sometimes it's, it's referred to as a, a banquet in the grave, um, all the way through my um, 20s or so, got involved in uh, a little church group again. Uh, it was kind of, um, we just talked about this, Reagan, it was kind of uh, on the left end of the spectrum, if you want to call it that. Um, and that was just out of a desire for self-preservation, honestly. Uh, my friends were overdosing and going to prison. And so I could begin to see that all that glitters is not gold about that kind of lifestyle and started to try to clean myself up a little bit, got involved with some Christian folks. Um, this was in the days of, uh, you know, when Mark Driscoll was his rise to prominence and uh, kind of everybody in America thought that the emerging church would be what the 20... Uh, what the 2000s, the, the noughties and the tens would be all about. Um, and so we, we were kind of in that world a little bit and um, uh, met my wife, got married, uh, started to have children, started to meet people who were influenced by a family integrated uh, world. And so um, thought that was the most punk rock thing I'd ever seen. People who had wives that they loved and children that they wanted more of. That <laughs> was not part of, you know, the world that I'd been in. And so uh, I sort of gravitated toward that. Um, all of this is pre-conversion. So I was not saved out of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I was actually saved as a homeschool dad uh, around the age of 30 uh, who had cleaned up from all of that and had started to live a very moral life uh, kind of out in the country. And um Started attending Christ Church New Albany, where we are members now, and sitting under the ministry of John Snyder. And um, John just went on and on about Jesus when I wanted him to preach about homeschooling and about you know how to be conservative and et cetera. And he, even though he certainly didn't oppose those things, he didn't preach about it. He just preached about Jesus. And I kind of thought I knew everything that I needed to know about Jesus. Thought that was incredibly boring. And um, graciously, the Lord started to do what the old writers called a law work in my heart as I sat under that preaching. Over time, it was preaching on the character of God and uh, related back to Christ and the gospel and the reality of regeneration uh, week in and week out. 
and uh, started to show me myself and um, started to realize uh, the reality of the scripture that to those who believe Christ is precious. And so as a, an older um, sort of cleaned up uh, homeschool dad, I called on the name of the Lord and he was mercy, merciful to me. And um, I, I can look back on that now and see that that was genuinely going from darkness to light, from death to life, um, coming to know uh, Christ personally. The Lord has allowed me to go through a lot of strange neighborhoods on the way, and hopefully it has led to, um, it, it's at least given me the tools to be sympathetic, um, even though my sinful heart uh, gets kind of uh, grumpy still with people who are presently at some of the places that I have been in the past. And family? Yeah, so I married my wife in 2002, and uh, we had a child immediately. Uh, that's Miles, who's now 17, and we have a daughter, Michaela, who is 14, a daughter, Magnolia, who's 12. We had a son named Mobley, who we lost when he was two back in 2012. And we have a son named McShane, who is now five. So the Lord has been incredibly kind to us. And I think your wife and I share the uh, commonality of we're both named after a president. That's Same right. President. She's Megan, even though it's spelled Megan. Uh, her dad named her after Ronald Reagan. And uh, I assume that yours did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt, so media gratia is your brainchild. I hate that phrase. Um, so media gratia, tell us about the name. It, it means of grace, right? Yeah. It's just a little Latin phrase for the means of grace. And that's kind of your tagline, right? Committed to helping Christians use the means of grace. That's right. There are so many things that, you know, that could be done. I mean, if we just took a poll, what would you like to see a Christian documentary on? I mean, there'd, there'd be so many people, hey, nobody's done a Calvin documentary yet, you know, and nobody's done this yet, and nobody's done that. Why don't you guys do this? And, um, there's no shortage of good ideas, but the, the projects that we work on tend to take anywhere from a year to two years of our lives. And so we, want, we have to have something that kind of directs and focuses what we do. And from, from early on, we decided that um, we wanted to be a, a truly parachurch ministry. We want to come alongside the local church and help her uh, do what God has called and commanded her to do. And the, the means of grace, uh, preaching, prayer, um, and then more loosely, the, the, well, the sacraments and ordinances, and then more loosely fellowship with the saints, the singing, the, etc. Um, those are, those are things that have been entrusted to the local church, and we want to make media that, that help use those things, not get in the way of those things. So I don't know if this was ever your experience, but I've been to some church services uh, where instead of preaching, they would just show a movie clip or show a, a video of someone uh, kind of talking, you know, just walking around maybe in a snowy city <laughs> and talking. Uh, in the streets and making very um, supposedly poignant points, but um, we we don't we don't think that the, that that the Lord is going to bless that because He has um, ordained the means of grace to be what the local church is to be about. So that's what we try to stay focused on. Hey, you're not trying to replace uh, the church or do what she's made to do. You're just trying to assist and support that work. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we think that there's scriptural basis for that. I mean, uh, when it comes to teaching, that's easy. Um, teaching is using video for teaching is, I think, in the same category as using print books for teaching. It's just a different media, a uh, different medium. Um, when it comes to biographical uh, projects like Logic on Fire or my co-director, Stephen McCaskill here at Media Gratier, who I'm sure your listeners will know from Luther, the film on Luther and uh, Through the Eyes of Spurgeon and some other projects. 
um, bi biographical projects are uh, a part of what we do. And, you know, you, you look at Hebrews and you see something of uh, a holy use of biography from Christians who have gone before to then spur us on to forsake the sin that so easily entangles us and ultimately to point us to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And so um, we, we, like to, we like to do biography as well. And it all kind of got started with the Behold Your God series. Is that right? Yeah, it, it, it happened by accident, honestly. And I can't take any credit. That's why, you know, I do wince a little bit. Brain child's not a bad word, but I wince <laughs> a little bit because I didn't, when I feel overwhelmed by the work, which is often I can with a clear conscience remind the Lord that I didn't initiate any of it and that uh, I, we do feel like he did. Um, I was actually working as a, a graphic designer for a large ministry here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, on my way, I thought to seminary. I was going to go to Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary with some other guys in my church who were uh, interested in training for ministry back in 2010, 2011. Went and took a job at a place called the American Family Association, who is a very large Christian kind of cultural political organization here in uh, Tupelo uh, where I live and they were going to just work with me to to work as a graphics guy which I have a little bit of a background in and also let me go to seminary and they actually initiated the work because someone heard John Snyder teaching on the character of God and it was a, the subject of evangelical idolatry that you can say that you believe in God, and you can even say that you believe in the God who has a son named Jesus. But what comes into your mind when you think about that God is so distant and foreign to the God of the Bible that you have invented a God in your own mind. And it doesn't matter what you call that God, that God doesn't exist and cannot save you. And so that, that was intriguing uh, to the person who heard that. And they actually uh, reached out to Snyder to do a video-based Bible study around that. This was going to be uh, the first of a, of a series that they wanted to start of video-based Bible studies. He politely declined and said, you know, we don't really even have anything to show a video series on in our church. We're pretty simple. We just preach and pray and sing. But I think you need somebody else for that. Uh, but they were persistent over the course of about a year. And um, in that in that process, I went to work there as a graphics guy, and after working there for about six or eight months, my boss came to me and said, "Okay, here's your next project. You get your pastor and make a video-based Bible study, um, like we've been trying to get him to do for a long time." And so, somewhere in there, we felt like, you know, this feels like the Lord's initiation, and we need to respond to it and really ask Him, "What what would you have us to do here?" Um, Theologically and methodologically, um, those guys are probably in a, in a slightly different category, even though there are many, many brothers who work there who are engaged uh, in good work. Um, we, we were a little concerned, uh, you know, uh, as how it, would, how it would be taken and how it would go over in that audience. So we tried to do it in a, um, in a way that would introduce church history and introduce historic uh, reformed orthodoxy uh, in a way that isn't uh, easy to just reject out of hand uh, by using jargon. So we we stuck to the Bible and showed, uh, you know, hey, this is this is where we're coming from, and here's some examples from church history, et cetera. And so that's yeah, that's kind of how that started. And and since the beginning, with that, and then with most of the. Think most every other project you've ever undertaken, um, it's a lot of dead guys, <laughs> you know. Um, so if you're tackling a series that's on, you know, who God is, the attributes of God, with "Behold Your God," why the emphasis on, you know, history? Why why is that the vehicle that you guys are using to um, to teach? 
Good question. Um, there are many more articulate men than myself who can give a great case for why we should know church history. Uh, but I, just to just to put it in simple terms, and my conviction is that look, we're not figuring all this stuff out for the first time. Uh, we shouldn't be at least. Innovation is not uh, something that is good in the Christian world. Uh, that's great in technology. That's great in other aspects of the world, but that's really bad in Christian uh, theology and Christian practice. And so um, also God hasn't changed and the nature of humanity hasn't changed since the fall. And so there's really nothing new. Um, a lot of the challenges that we face in our day have been faced by our brothers and sisters in the past. And if we will, we can learn from those and we can prevent a lot of heartbreak and a lot of mistakes and a lot of dishonor and shame to be brought on the name of Christ in our generation by our stupid mistakes. And, you know, to neglect church history is to neglect and really reject the work of God through his spirit in his church for the last 2000 years. And so we don't want to do that. We want to learn uh, what he's been teaching his people. And so that's a focus for us. Um, again, you know, we could we could pick any subject matter, but we kind of look at it like American evangelicalism is kind of a, it's not in good shape. I don't think you could find too many people who would argue that it is. And so I tend to think of it as a body on the gurney and it's not doing well, but there's an IV inserted. And thanks to the Lord's kindness and his uh, giving our previous projects reach into a lot of different areas of the world. So there's a lot of folks in that kind of AFA world from the beginning who, who still follow our stuff. And then guys on the other end of the spectrum, so to speak, in the banner of truth and Reformation Heritage books and kind of everybody in between. And so what we put in the IV bag is going to go into the body. And that's, a big responsibility and that's a big thing for us to have to really plead with the Lord to say what do you need what do you want to say to the church right now in, through this medium and you know I wish the heavens would open and there would be some audible you know voice that says do this next but we, we I don't think the Lord deals with this he could but he hasn't dealt with us like that he's just um, uh, sort of, we trust guided and directed us through uh, providence and through the opportunities that have come along. And yeah, that's how we try to think about what we do and what we don't do. That's helpful. And your latest project is this Puritan film, and I, I love the subtitle. All of, it's all of life to the glory of God. Um, I think you know, just speaking personally. The Puritans and looking back, that's been a big inspiration for me in, in many ways in, in trying to emulate the type of life lived before God that those men lived. But even in this podcast and the blog and the redeeming productivity, it's there was a time when I was thinking about names and stuff and I was thinking Puritan productivity or something along those lines mm -hmm. because these guys really did. Their entire mm -hmm. life, they viewed every single aspect of it as a stewardship to be lived for God's glory. Um, so I love that you're putting this, uh, these men before people in a, a really well-produced, if you guys haven't seen the trailer for the film, um, it's just incredibly well-produced, brilliant animations, um, excellent quality, incredible interviews. Um, but I so appreciate that putting these guys in front of people because that sort of mindset I think is foreign to most modern evangelicals, you know, uh, my, my Christianity is a compartment of my life. It's part of it. You know, I have Sundays and I have maybe my, my devotional time, but then everything else is kind of, you know, I, I don't cuss or anything, but it's, it, it's, it's a different view, the way we look at the world compared to the way the Puritans did. Let me speak sure. to that a little bit. Yeah. And let me relate that title back to what we were just talking about, or maybe what I was talking about is, <laughs> um, what we when we look at where we are right now in church history right so it's 2019 for a few more days and 
we've just to to the world's surprise all right we were we were just talking before the the start about how how everybody sort of thought that this so-called emerging church would be the 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 great guiding light for evangelicalism through the uh the 2000s the early part of the 2000s and it wasn't out of nowhere uh comes this quote reformed resurgence where uh, where uh god raised up men like Paul Washer and John John uh, Piper and John MacArthur and and R.C. Sproul and you know all of those men came from different eras or different times, but then he brought about this technology YouTube and put those things in place so that when young men start to type in what is Calvinism to Google and they land on one of those messages and they're blown away by these historic truths that had been maligned uh, to them, that, that had been misrepresented to them. And suddenly they're kind of, if you'll forgive the expression, they're getting a straight dope on what is this stuff? And the Lord starts to um, convict people all around the country, all around the world, young people, that this is truth. This historic theology, this is true. And here it is in the Bible. So we've we've just experienced something of a quote, reformed uh, resurgence. Now, what do we do with that? What, what happens next? Well, if we go back to the Reformation in the 1500s, what happened next? So you have the Puritans who rise up from that sort of next generation of reformers who, in their minds, they're operating consciously in this stream of the Reformation and as their predecessors had firmly worked through some, some serious issues, justification by faith alone, the five sola, right? This next generation is thinking, okay, so how do we apply these things to worship and work and family and even, you know, our civic duty, et cetera? And they're, they're really pressing these Reformation principles, these five sola, if you want to put them under those headings. They're pressing those things out into every area of life. And so think of the subtitle in that sense as well, all of life to the glory of God. How do I take these truths of the Reformation, the truths of the Bible, and really press them into every area of my life? Historically, you know, in 2020, we would love to see some of the younger guys and even some of the older men and women who have, who have been introduced to these things in the last decade to really start to do that as well. What, what about holiness? What about worship? What about church? What about all of these other aspects of my life, right? So I've, I've, I've reformed my soteriology, but what about the rest of my life? And so we hope that the film will inspire people to do that. And how did this project come about? I know that you did it in partnership with, um, with Joel Beakey's ministries, is that right? That's right, Reformation Heritage Books and Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. And that came about because, well, Reformation Heritage Books carries uh, our stuff. They're, they're one of our distributors, and so they're familiar with the the work, and they've been great partners in that. Uh, David Woolen, who is the sales and marketing manager for RHP, and who is Joel Beakey's kind of uh, right-hand man, is uh, a dear friend. He's part of my conference family. You know, we're together out there for Shepherds, and we're together at all the conferences that we go to. And um, so we talked for a long time about what kind of project could we work on together. And one day, uh, Dr. Beakey reached out and asked if we would be willing to uh, make what he was calling sort of the definitive introduction to the Puritans project. And we uh, looked at it and, and, you know, with that mentality that I just described, thought, you know, that's, that's a great thing to make right now. And so the first thing that I did was reach out to my friend who was who was not my uh, coworker at that time, but was just uh, someone who um, had worked together a little bit before and was very familiar with and had become a, a, a good friend, uh, Stephen McCaskill, and who was living in Canada at the time, to um, ask if he would be willing to direct it. And um, he, he came in and we've been working together actually ever since. I mentioned earlier that he's 
now uh, become the co-director of Media Gratier. He's kind of the director of operations and um, has moved his family down here to Mississippi in the process. But um, yeah, we've, we've, we've been working on that since, goodness, late 2017. So uh, all of 2018 and most of 2019 uh, was dedicated, uh, at least in part, to putting that big package together. And I'm, I'm going to link to um, the documentary in the show notes, but maybe tell people it's more than just a documentary you get. If you get it, there's lessons and, and other material, isn't there? Yeah. So this deluxe edition box set, I mean, it, it looks like a great, big, beautiful box of grape nuts. You know, it's, it's like a breakfast cereal. <laughs> John it's Piper huge. would love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's a six disc set. Um, and you do get uh, some, some people may think discs, but I don't have anything to put a disc in. All right. So we, we get that there's streaming, there's high definition streaming uh, access that, that comes with uh with this as well. But so there's the feature length documentary and then there's 35 video lessons from all kinds of uh, theologians and pastors and others. Um, the, the film, I'll just give you some of the men. Uh, it's Al Mohler, Conrad Mbewe, Jeff Thomas, uh, Ian Hamilton, Jeremy Walker, J.I. Packer, Joel Beakey, John MacArthur, John Piper, John Snyder, Kevin DeYoung, Leland Riken, Ligon Duncan, Mark Dever, Mark, Michael Reeves, Sinclair Ferguson, Stephen Nichols, and Stephen Lawson. And we have Rosaria Butterfield and Gloria Furman uh, in there as well. And then that, those are just the people who contribute to the documentary. There are uh, many others who teach lessons. So the lessons, um, half of them are on, uh, you could say, uh, Puritan bios. So you might have Mark Dever on who was Richard Sibbs or uh, J.I. Packer on who was um, Richard Baxter, uh, and these are appropriate for Sunday schools, uh, small groups, or homeschooling, or whatever uh, application. And then there are half of the lessons on um, themes. So you might have the Puritans on marriage, or the Puritans on work and money, or the Puritans on uh, politics and culture, or awakening and revival. Um, so the, the 35 video lessons, there's also a workbook with uh, materials that will help uh, your, you study those lessons. And um, probably my favorite thing in there, just because of how pretty it is, is there's a big cloth bound, foil stamped, um, exclusive edition of a new book from Joel Beakey and Michael Reeves called Following God Fully. And it's an introduction to the Puritans, and it's included in there. That's what you see sort of peeking out through the window of the front of the box. And then there's assorted, you know, Puritan accoutrements in there. There's a Puritan kazoo and a Puritan can opener and some other things. <laughs> Branded really Puritan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a big package. And that is the only way that it's available right now. Um, you know, RHB, this has been a massive, massive project. Um, and a lot of really talented people have worked on it. And you just, you really don't get that level of quality without an investment. And RHB put a massive investment into putting this together. And so one of the ways that that uh, gets recouped is it's available as part of this big deluxe edition box set before it just sort of gets chopped up into its component parts. Now, I'm sure that'll happen because the ultimate goal is to get this stuff out far and wide uh, over time. But right now, if you're, you know, right dead in the middle of the target market of this, or if you want to pick up something, if you'd like your pastor to know more about the Puritans, maybe you've been helped by the Puritans and you'd like to have the men who are, you know, in, in positions of leadership around you also be helped by them. This, this is a great on-ramp for people who uh, are not familiar with the Puritans or maybe not as familiar as they could be. Makes a great Christmas gift as well. That's right. And then there's a conference kind of tie-in uh, in 2020, isn't there? That's right. There is uh, the Puritan Conference happening out there at Grace Community Church, uh, June the 3rd through the 5th in 2020. And um, we have not yet announced all of the speakers, but uh, it will. you can see the, uh, the contributors to the, to the film there, and you can sort of draw some lines about who that might be. 
So our goal is to take the themes of the film and to really press those uh, in a little bit more and, and uh, have our speakers and our workshop leaders uh, work through those things uh, in much more detail. And let me just make a plug for if you've never been to a conference at Grace Community Church, um, this you should go. Uh, they put on some great ones, the Truth Matters Conference, the Shepherds Conference, uh, and now this Puritan Conference. Um, make, make some plans to go out to uh, LA area and let these guys serve you because it's unlike anything that you've been to. And you can find out more information about that at puritanconference.org. I'll put a link to that as well. Should be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> That's the least convincing, yeah, about a good time that has ever been. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Not what you should have said. You know, on the webpage, there's all these pictures of like Puritans and stuff. You should have said that all of them were going to be speaking at it. You That's know, right. Like, yeah. Be a Tupac hologram or something. <laughs> <laughs> think about that you have time okay <laughs> um matt let's uh switching gears a little bit um when i was talking to you about coming on the podcast you said to me multiple times in a very pleading voice that you were the least productive person that you know and that i would be making a huge mistake having you on um but I told you again and again, I don't believe that because you keep putting out really good quality stuff like you are producing. Uh, so you got to be doing something right. But I was curious. Um, I don't think it's false humility. In fact, you told me this is not false humility. So why did you say that? Why do you think you're the least productive person you know? Well, okay, so I will allow you to say all of that, you do this, you do this, you do this, as long as we qualify that you as the royal you, or as the, the uh, th there are a lot of people in that you. Um, Media Gratia puts out a lot of that, a lot of great stuff, but there's, um, you know, there's a core team of people here. We've, we've gone from uh, Media Gratia just being something that existed inside my head um, and I had to contract with people, um, you know, when we became an independent nonprofit in 2015, uh, it was just me and some guys who agreed to work on our board of directors. And, um, so I had to do everything through contract work, but the guys that we contracted with, uh, did great work. And so, um, they deserve the credit for that. And then now, you know, with Stephen McCaskill, who is the maybe the most productive person that I know um, who, you know, I tried to get you guys to talk to each other on this podcast um, <laughs> instead of me, but uh, you know, he, there's just a lot of people in that you. And so I, I can't, I can't say that, that I do these things. Um, why did I say that? I, I don't know. I'm um, the way that I, the way that Steven and I, uh, have sort of found some symbiosis is that we have very complementary uh, giftings. And so uh, organization and um, I don't know, you know, just the, the kinds of things that you would think of under the heading of productivity and, you know, so, so books about how to do more things better in a more clear way. Those kinds of things, um, I, I really, really struggle to try to put those things into practice. Um, there's a, a guy, Richard Owen Roberts, who has been a contributor to several of our projects, and um, he's been an itinerant evangelist since I literally think like the 1940s. Um, he's he's uh, he told me once that. If he was serving a church for a little while as a pastor, and he told me that while he was working as the pastor there, he was always afraid that if someone could see him when he was getting the most done, that they would fire him for not doing anything because they would probably, why are you not being productive? And, but he knew that the way that he was wired, he was. He was having to think through and get the big picture of what what needed to happen. And so 
you know, I don't want to say that that's me, but that's more me than, um, than maybe I would even like it to be. I, I tend to be able to see the big picture. And once I get the big picture worked out, I can kind of see what, what I want things to be before they are. So this Puritan set, which finally came together in 2019, I could see, I could see it faintly in 2017. But my issue is, okay, now how do you take the baby steps that you have to take to actually get there? Okay, it's a great vision, you know, but if you don't do things, then you will never get there. And so I tend to maybe almost neurotically paint myself in a corner. So I see what needs, I see where we're going. And, you know, I guess that's important in leadership and, you know, vision where my, my there's no vision, et cetera. But, but knowing how to take those steps is where I really, really get hung up. And I mean, I can get hung up. So it's, and it's been incredibly helpful for me to partner with Stephen uh, because Stephen is, he's, he's a steps guy, so to speak. He knows, all right, this is, look, if we're, he's almost like, look, don't, don't talk to me about the big picture. This is what we're doing today. Right. And then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And then all of these things are going to come together. And so, you know, I, I wish that I was more like that, but it just seems like the way that I'm wired is, um, perhaps even uncomfortably more on the like big picture vision. And then I am somehow able to kind of guide things and put people in place to bring that about. And and that's important inside of a, an organization. But when it comes to just like what comes into someone's mind when they think of productivity, right? So you're going to have some lists, you're going to have some you know, to-do <laughs> lists and you're going to be up checking your to-do list off and you're going to be early to your meetings and you're going to be like, that's, I'm way on the other end of that spectrum. And um, yeah, I, I almost wish that I, I wasn't, but that's just, I'm 43 years old, man. And that's just kind of the way that I am. That's really helpful. I, I think that's interesting. Um, makes me think of a couple things. It does sound, you know, like there's a great partnership there with you and, and Stephen where you can um, balance each other and, you know, there's strength and weaknesses, the, the body of Christ working together. Um, but I think it's it's interesting what you said about how you're you're thinking about the big picture and you're you're putting it all together in your mind, um, but the details are harder. I I think that that is an aspect of of productivity and probably an overlooked one. Um, I think when I was in seminary, uh, John MacArthur, in one of our classes, he was talking about how his chair in his office, when he's preparing sermons, it has two positions. Uh, it has, uh, you know, upright, so he can be writing out his, his notes for the sermon, and then it can lean back so he can think about it. And I think that that leaning back aspect is something a lot of times people overlook. Um, there's actually, not that long ago, somebody asked me about... Uh, they said, what kind of like metrics do you use to measure your productivity? You know, how do you know if you're being productive? And that was a good question. And more and more as I, in my work life, I'm doing more managerial, big picture type thinking. Mm -hmm. That question's harder and harder to answer. You know, I, I used to do, I did web programming uh, for a long time. I did filmmaking for a while too. And that's like, it's really obvious and easy to say, I'm working hard. Things are getting done. There's a tangible product. You know, my checklist is getting smaller. But when you're living in that ideas space and you're just thinking about something, you might spend a long time just noodling on something and you don't really have anything tangible to show for it. But that was still incredibly valuable. Like without that, you're just going to continue mindlessly down the, ta the task list, checking stuff off and doing the next thing uh, if you never pause to think about the big picture. So I just say that I, I think that, you know, sometimes our, our view of what it means to be productive is uh, too narrow. And what without you having, you know, 
this vision, not having visions, but having, you know, thinking about these things, none of these projects would, would ever come into existence. Like that's a necessary part of the process. And so I think it's important. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and I hope so. Um, but you know, it's also, I'm very well aware that if you, if you only sit back and and think big thoughts and you never do, you know, there, there are a lot of people doing that. Um, and they're not putting any of those thoughts into play. And so, you know, there's how many times have you heard from somebody who said, man, you know, eBay, like I thought of that. Like I was the guy who thought of that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, maybe you did, but who cares? The guy that actually went out and made it, that's the guy who you know, did it. So, um, so I, I, I just want to, I, I want to grow more and more and more, but I can definitely look, I'm not trying to uh, appropriate a parable to my uh, personality, but, but I, I definitely identify with that, that sower in Mark four, the, the, the one in the later part of the chap, chapter where, you know, he, he puts in the, uh, he, he casts the seed on the soil and he goes to bed at night and he gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. Um, that's, I don't know how a lot of this stuff came to be outside of uh, the Lord's kind providence in um, bringing them about. And um, I, I literally cannot take credit for them. Um, now, I can talk a little bit about how inside of our organization we have gone from kind of just everything exists in my head and I'm doing the very best that I can to sort of verbally communicate that to people around, which can be frustrating, I'm sure, um, to more where we are now in terms of having some actual workflow in place. Yeah, talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, I think that'll be fascinating. Great. So in the early days of Media Gratier, especially after we became an independent nonprofit in 2015, as I mentioned earlier, it was just me and I would have to con- contract with people to, um, to do every aspect of the project. And that includes, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit. We have to keep books pretty meticulously and we have to file paperwork on time and we have to do a lot of those things. So the very first uh, person that we added to our team when we could was uh, was an office manager who you've met, AC Floyd. Um, so what needs to be done? Well, I, some of my ways, well, look, just, I don't know, man, Google it, like figure it out, you know, <laughs> um, because that's kind of, that's my film school. That's how I've come to know how to do uh, everything that we do, basically. Um, but then okay so big picture project time here's here's the vision i'm going to communicate that to you verbally um and i want you to try to like you know i hate to use hippie language like this but like try to enter into this you know with me and see it and once you see it with me then like you're gonna know what you need to do to bring it about right and so Mm -hmm. that's semi-effective it can be frustrating for people who aren't wired like that Um, And so one of the biggest transitions in our organization has gone from everything just living in my head to as we add employees and as we add uh, people that we contract with regularly, uh, being able to get it out of my head and into some systems. And so some things that, um, I mean, I'm sure they're second nature for a lot of other folks, but they were just groundbreaking for me. Instead of just texting or maybe sending a Facebook message here or there or sending emails back and forth, uh, Stephen McCaskill incorporated uh, an office-wide use of the Slack messaging program. And then he put us on Trello originally, and now we've moved to uh, a, a better, I think, web app called Notion. Are you familiar with uh, both of those or either of those? I am, yeah. I actually recently moved a bunch of my personal stuff to Notion. I did a, a video and a, and a review of it just last month, I think. Well, I love well, I love to it. go watch that. I, I'm really enjoying it as well. I mean, it, you know, to not just be like, oh, it, it all lives in my head. 
to like, no, we're going to take it out of my head and we're going to put it here into all of these really, you know, easily digestible uh, categories. And then, you know, as you mentioned earlier, how do you track progress? Well, we have, we, we use the sprints model, right? So that there's, there's a, this is what we're going to accomplish this week. Uh, we have a Monday morning sort of stand up where we go around and we add those uh, tasks to our current sprint and have a, a board for that. Uh, there's actually a few different uh, sprints. There's one on our video stuff. There's one on sort of marketing and sales and donors, and there's one for admin. So just administrative stuff that needs to take place. And um, we know the, we know the things that need to be done. And so we're able to add those things in and then we can assign um, people to those tasks, assign ourselves to those tasks. And when they don't get done, we know uh, where the ball stopped and we can go back and see, okay, is there anything preventing us from getting this done or what needs to be done? Um, so that is a, is a very uh, new to me and new to us as an organization sort of workflow, but it's working really well. You know, we, um, we work remotely. Um, I'm at home in a little home office and Steven is home in a little home office. And um, as well as TJ, Teddy James is um, in a home office and AC works out of a little office at the church. And so for us to all be able to communicate um, using Slack and now using Notion, and to be able to track things from idea to implemented um, is, it's just been, it's been incredibly useful, even though, as I've said over and over again, I'm not wired for that, but I'm grateful for, um, you know, the, the fact that we can use technology to uh, accomplish and track much better. That's really cool. And so you, do you do that sprint board? Is that in notion as a board in there or is yeah, that a physical is. board? Yeah, no, it's, it's just little workspaces inside of, um, inside of notion. So um, just to, you know, we have <clears throat> workspaces that there are three staples, as I mentioned earlier, there's one, uh, all of the video stuff that needs sort of everything that falls under the category of video is on one. Um, and everything under marketing, sales, and donors, and another and administrative stuff is there. And we have one for the podcast, which is mostly uh, TJ and myself. There's a workspace for just brainstorming uh, stuff, ideas that we have get thrown in there, and, and that way we can all sort of think through. And then there are some specific project uh, workspaces, and I wish I was at a place where I could talk about those, but there are at least two uh, really large projects that we're uh, committed to for 2020 that we're just not at the place where we can announce yet. So uh, those have their own little workspaces. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to see what you guys have coming down the pipe. Um, talk to me a little bit about the podcast. You guys, when did you start that? So the podcast is Dr. Snyder uh, and myself, and I'm really just, I'm just there to, uh, to, to, get John to talk about things. Um, you know, it's, it's really kind of the behold your God podcast with Dr. John Snyder. And I'm the guy that brings it on and kind of keeps the conversation going. And we started that back in October of, um, 2018 because we had added a new employee, uh, Teddy James, who has a background in writing and is a very prolific writer but was not familiar at all with uh, doing any video work, camera stuff, editing. Um, he just didn't know. He had a real desire to learn, but he didn't know how to do it. And so we thought, okay, we, we do want to be putting out free content that will be helpful to people um, on a regular basis. And we need a project that we can assign to Teddy which will give him the opportunity to go through the entire, you know, pre-production, production, post-production post process once a week, uh, every week until he gets familiar with how to do all of those things. And so we just kind of threw him in the deep end and gave him uh, a couple cameras and gave him a, a computer that will edit and, and editing software and gave him like a 
lynda.com account to, you know, sit down and figure out how to use all of these things uh, with a little bit of hands-on training too and um, assigned him the podcast. And so we actually do a video version of the podcast and then we strip the audio out and put that out, you know, all through uh, wherever you take your podcast that should be available. But you can watch the video version of that at mediagratier.org or it's easier to, uh, to, to know how to type the means of grace.org than it is mediagratier.org. How do you think about, I mean, you're not a video guy by training, right? Like you kind of backed into all of this and now you're a Christian documentary filmmaker, among other things. How do you think about the notion of calling and things like that? Like how, how you're stewarding your life to God's glory, the, the giftings he's given you and the opportunities and all that. How does, I mean, I imagine you've reflected on that to some degree. Like you're, you probably did not expect this is what you'd be doing at 40 years old. No, not at all. I mean, I had post-conversion, I had a burning desire to make Christ known. and as I mentioned earlier, I thought that would be by going to seminary and going into pulpit ministry, which uh, still sounds like a dream to me. I mean, I would love to be able to do that. But as I was preparing to do that, this work came to be and um, has grown and has seen the blessing of the Lord. So <clears throat> it's at the root. I mean, look, I think in the kingdom, the issue of calling is a real thing. Uh, we don't just, it's not like, you know, hey, I want to be a fireman when I grow up right? I just want to. And I think when you come into a kingdom, there's a king and kings assign tasks and you either do those things or you don't. And so um, I I feel like the message being communicated is the primary thing. We need to make the gospel known. We need to make Christ known. We need to make the truths of the scripture known. Uh, We need to recognize that the primary way that God has ordained for that to take place is the pulpit in the local church. But there are other secondary means like writing books. And we feel, you know, making video-based multimedia studies and even documentaries that can also serve in that. And so I feel like that desire, look, there's nothing native to Matt Robinson that would want to give his life to make Christ known right? But that desire has been given to me by Christ himself, I, I do believe, uh, in regeneration. And, and now the opportunity to do that has also been given. And so my job is to walk in that. I don't have, I wasn't laying around as a little boy, you know, dreaming of being a filmmaker. Um, my education is in skateboarding. Um, seriously, when I, I grew up skateboarding and and um, I mean, from the time I was a little boy in the mid 80s to um, uh, opened a skateboard shop as soon as I got out of high school and ran that on and off through uh, 2008. So uh, just lived in that world. That's uh, and, and you get familiar with um, I can see looking back how the Lord put video cameras in my hands to make skate videos. I mean, that's a big part of the culture. Um, and learn how to edit a little bit and learn how to do graphics because you need to be making skateboard graphics. You need to be making, you know, catalogs and, and zines on your Xerox and all of that. So, you know, that's where, that's where my background in graphics and other things sort of started. Um, but no, I have friends who are Christian filmmakers who dreamed of being filmmakers when they were little boys and they went to uh, so one guy Michael Perkins that you guys need to look up Michael David Perkins is a filmmaker he made a, a, a film called The God Who Speaks most recently on the authority of the scriptures he has a theology of film he went to Savannah College of Art and Design and and majored in film out there and and had to think through okay as a Christian how do I use film to the glory of God? And he, everything that he does, he operates um, under that sort of uh, that theology that, that he's worked out. If you've seen Logic on Fire, the reason it's good is Michael Perkins was the editor and he, uh, he put together so many of those, those scenes that are so moving and striking. And so we worked really closely on that project. And he's gone on to do films of, of his own, The God Who Speaks, uh, a, a film on um, 
the authority of the scriptures. He's, he's been working together with another person on a film on human sexuality uh, for the last year or so. Um, so I have the utmost respect for people who, who are truly filmmakers. I see film and video and print and every other media that God allows us to you know, come up with as humans as vehicles for a message that needs to go out. And that's my approach, man. You know, wh whatever, whatever um, media we're working with, it is there to, to get the gospel into people's hands across the world. That's so helpful. And, you know, you know, just speaking of Reformation and Puritans, I mean, you know, the, of course, you know, the history with Martin Luther and the Reformation, the printing press, you're talking That's about right. a new communication technology, which was the vehicle for propagating um, the message of the Reformation and justification by faith. Um, and it continued on with the Puritans. The reason you know, like Banner of Truth can even exist and continue to republish books is because they were published. They were created to propagate the message. And um, why not, like you said, in the day we live in, we have video, we have audio, we have uh, the internet to transmit these things all over the world. Um, why not take advantage of these um, common graces that we have of technology today to get the message out as far and wide as possible? Yeah. And it's never been easier. I mean, you know, there, I don't know how familiar you and your listeners are with the study, the story of how Ligonier came to exist and how Ligonier, um, you know, the first video Bible study that I'm aware of is the holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. And how did that, how did that come to be? Um, there was a, a guy who had been given training by the private sector and who owned one of the first sort of privately owned bit, like movie cameras that existed outside of Hollywood and knew how to use it for training videos. Actually, he worked for Boeing and, you know, had to make these giant uh, training videos on how to work on these huge engines. Um, but, it was incredibly expensive and incredibly technical and, and very hard for anyone to, to make a video back then. Well, it's never been easier. I mean, most people have something in their pocket that they could use to put something together like this. And the really, really good stuff is not out of the reach of, of really many people. So, you know, your why not, let me turn that into a challenge for anybody who's listening. Um, Media Gratier and myself, we don't we don't see you know Christian documentary as being some kind of market, and we want to control the market on it and you know have market share. That's the world. That's the way the world works. We we want to encourage anybody and everybody who uh, loves the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, and who has a desire to make Him known and to make His uh, work known to uh, to to do it and pick up, pick up something and figure out how to do it and do it well. And if you need help, reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to, we'd love to talk to you. Um, you know, we feel like the, when the tide comes in, all the ships rise up together. And so, you know, we love working with guys like Les Lanfear, who has just done an excellent job on his new film, um, Spirit and Truth, which we're, we're going to actually sell in our online store because we want people to, to know about it. Uh, Dan Pugh just made a film in Wales on Matthew Henry, which is, it was his first film and it was really, really well done. And so we distribute that for him here in the States, Brandon Kimber, who, you know, well, um, we distribute that film through Media Grantier, the, the American gospel uh, series. So, and, and these guys are friends, you know, we don't see them as uh, a, <laughs> the competition or whatever. That's like I said, that's the way the world works. And that's not how we want to ever see uh, the whole Christian film world operate. And I love that, that attitude and the spirit of what you're saying. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I'm, I'm still new to podcasting and doing this stuff. Um, but people will ask me, oh, I thought about doing a podcast or I thought about doing a YouTube channel. I'm thinking about doing a blog, but it's already so saturated. What's the point? And what I always say is 
join, join the noise, like, you know, take your place up in the choir and we'll make a cacophony because the market of the market, quote unquote, of good Christian quality media out there on the internet and whatever distribution means necessary, it's not going to be saturated until everyone knows the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, there is everyone is in as much as we can. I think we, we need to continue to proclaim Christ in by every means necessary. Um, and that includes social media. That includes whatever you can do. If the Lord's gifted you um, in telling stories or if the Lord's gifted you in um, whatever it is, get out there and, and talk about it in person and on the internet. I, I just, I don't believe it for a second that it's saturated. It's saturated with a bunch of garbage, but yep. let's, let's just continue to put good quality stuff out there so that people can know our Lord. Yeah. Amen. And you know, the only thing I would add to that is check your motivation because um, there, it is saturated with people who are trying to kind of make a name for themselves and be the next big thing. And, you know, try to promote use the gospel and use Christianity and use whatever as a platform for them and kind of how cool they are and how unique they are. Take a lesson from history, you know, recent church history, uh, men whose motivation is to build their own kingdom. Uh, the Lord exposes those guys and they become parodies of themselves and they become jokes. I mean, you know, I can, I can name them out for you uh, and you would all know who we're talking about guys who were, revered at one point, even in our circles, who are now just parodies of themselves, you know, um, because they were trying to build a little kingdom where everybody was so impressed with them. But if your motivation is to make Christ known, uh, if you've been gripped by the realities of the gospel and you want to make those known to the rest of the world, that's the kind of thing that God gets behind, so to speak. He, and he, uh, initiates that desire, and he will give everything uh, that you need to accomplish that desire. Uh, I have to remind myself all the time that he is far more zealous for his namesake than I am on my best day. Mm. And so he, you know, owning the cattle on a thousand hills and and all of the uh, the rest is able to do far above anything that you could ask or think when the motivation is to make Christ known truly to make Christ known and not to build your own little whatever podcast kingdom or movie kingdom or, or, you know, your own brand or whatever that stuff. You can, you can lay that stuff at the dust at the foot of the cross and you can trust that, you know, God will make his gospel known. Well said, Matt. Um, so you told us you have some projects coming up, but they're all top secret. Is there anything you can tell us anything you're excited about that we should be on the lookout for? Oh yeah. So the, the stuff we're working on in 2020 is what's currently kind of under wraps, but the stuff that we're releasing in 2020 is, uh, is, is right around the corner. We've put together a, a big project on the church. Um, and again, thinking about what do we need to do next? Um, we've seen our Bible study videos go out all around and they land in churches that are at, at different levels of health. I mean, you know, the, We've seen, to my surprise and, and happiness, I've seen the Behold Your God study being used as small groups there at Grace Community Church even. So healthy church, long-term healthy leadership, and they find it useful. That's great. Other churches with maybe who, who lack that, who've not had that, find the study and they think, oh man, this is like a morsel of food after you know not having any. And so one of the unintended consequences is maybe a little bit of a devaluation of the, the local church, because as they come to have a high view of God through the, the teaching and the studies, and they see, okay, this is maybe not carried out in the, in the church situation where I am, um, then it becomes just, you know, me and my four or five friends in our DVD set. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not God's plan. That was never the intention. So we've asked our friend, Dr. Jeff Johnson, uh, who is the pastor of Grace Bible Church of Conway, Arkansas. And he's also the, uh, he's also the academic dean at, at uh, and the founder of Grace Bible Theological Seminary there in Conway. 
to put together a study and a film and really a, a project on the local church. So there are actually four components to this project, which we're just, the, the project is just called The Church. Mm-hmm. And then there are subtitles that change for, uh, depending on which uh, component. So there are four and they kind of work in two sets of two. There's a book called The Church, Her Nature, Authority, Purpose, and Worship. And this is a, an expanded and revised edition of Jeff Johnson's book, The Church, Why Bother?, which has been out for a long time. It's been endorsed by Dr. MacArthur and Dr. Beakey and, and a, a whole list of other guys who read it and feel that maybe this little paperback book, just a short little paperback, easy to read, is uh, the best introduction to the subject of the nature, authority, purpose, and worship of the church uh, that's out. And then there's an accompanying set of 13 video lessons with the same title. And so when those, when that book and those lessons are used together, this makes a 12 week study for churches, small groups, et cetera, uh, on the nature, authority, purpose, and worship of the church. And then the other two components are a feature length documentary, which is uh, the working title is the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. And in that film, we travel with Jeff to Tunisia and Italy, France, Germany, England, and other locations, kind of tracing the doctrine of the church from the time of Christ and the apostles to today. And we're making the assertion that when the church loses the truth, which is revealed to us in the scriptures, then she's no longer the church. And it's a bit of a historical ecclesiology project. Um, you know, how did, how did the truth, which is so clear in the scriptures, get so mangled down through the years? And then how did it come back together? And where are we now with uh, what the church is? And then the fourth component to the project is a short book with the same title, which kind of explores the theme of the film in much more detail. Um, so that's a package that we've been working on some this year, and it'll be released initially as a box set that we're, we're aiming for a second quarter 2020 um, release on that. So look for, look for more information about the church project from Media Gratier soon. That's exciting. And what's the uh, best place to keep up with what Media Gratier is doing? If you go to themeansofgrace.org, that will take you to our website, mediagratier.org. So I've said before that if you want a recipe for perpetual obscurity, just name your organization an obscure Latin phrase that is really hard to spell. <laughs> Um, so it's M-E-D-I-A-G-R-A-T-I-A-E dot O-R-G, or you can just go to themeansofgrace.org and it'll forward you right to mediagratia.org. That's where you can listen to our weekly podcast. Uh, we do have a supporter appreciation content on there. So if there are a lot of people who uh, believe in what we do and who join uh, at and give monthly to the organization and we give them additional content and early access to things. Uh, You can find information about that there. You can see information about the Puritan Project and pick up everything from the film and the the deluxe edition box set to workbooks and even some some soft goods uh, related to it. The Lloyd-Jones film, Logic on Fire, both the Behold Your God studies, uh, all of that is available for your uh, perusal there at mediagratier.org. Awesome. And I'll have links to all of that in the show notes too for everybody. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time. This has been a lot of fun, very um, edifying, helpful for me personally, hopefully for our listeners as well. Reagan, you're a gracious and kind brother, and I appreciate you saying that.